Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. I'm Fatima Saeed, reporter with National Observer. Jesse Brown is away this week, and I'm joined today by Kieran Levitt in Edmonton, who's a provincial affairs reporter at the Star Edmonton. Hi, Kieran. Hi, how's it going? Good. We're glad to have you because today we're going to talk about Jason Kenney finally standing up to the biggest threat to our existence, the environment. <laughs> we're also going to be talking about the Raptors, which if you've seen my Twitter feed, you will know that I'm obsessed with. Well, I'm excited. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Ken McLeod, Joseph Minocchio, J.G. Huxley, Rachel DeCoste, Marissa Neve, Matthew Reichertz, Paul Smifferd, and Daniel Rotson. I support Canada Land because living in the city, it's sometimes hard to see beyond its borders. And Canada Land attempts to showcase a range of perspectives from outside of Toronto and across the country. And as uh, local media outlets shudder across the country, Canada Land is filling a void and producing really nuanced, fine-grained content that I really appreciate. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by FreshBooks, the cloud accounting software that's designed to save you time every time you use it. Create, customize, and send branded and professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds. 
Invoicing with FreshBooks gets you paid two times faster. Combine FreshBooks, automation, and payments, set up subscription-based billing, and get paid without lifting a finger. Say adios to your shoebox, filing cabinet, and say hello to the simplest way to keep track of receipts, the FreshBooks expenses feature. Link your FreshBooks account to your credit cards and bank accounts so next time you expense a business lunch or tank of gas, it automatically shows up in your FreshBooks account. Then just assign it to a client, add it to an invoice, and you're done. Candleland is offering a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks for all our listeners. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash Canadaland and enter Canadaland in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, Kieran, things are happening in Alberta. Things are <laughs> happening. Indeed. It's been a busy, busy month. What we're going to talk about today is Jason Kenney's War Room, which sounds very cool, but might actually be super problematic. Yeah, it could be. We'll see how it goes. We don't actually have too many details about it yet. So, To give our listeners a little bit of an introduction, after Jason Kenney got elected, in fact, even before he was elected, he promised that he would create a system to fight environmentalists, I suppose. What he actually said, um, and this is a quote, is we will set up a fully staffed rapid response war room in government to quickly and effectively rebut every lie told by the green left about our world-class energy industry. If companies like HSBC decide to boycott our oil sands, our government will boycott them. Right. <laughs> so, Kieran, what does this mean? Please break it down for us. Well, th so the quote you just said there is something along the lines of what he's been saying throughout the entire election campaign, throughout the first few weeks of government. It's kind of a cornerstone of Jason Kenney's philosophy in a way, I would say. Like, he's very, very aggressive. Just in the very name of this thing, it's the war room. And if you've covered politics, that terminology is kind of akin to what you hear during election campaigns, which is most political parties have a war room. And it's set up in direct opposition, usually to an opposition political party. So they, you know, it's full of party staffers and volunteers who gather research and you know, put out attack ads and, you know, they'll go on social media and they will say things about the other political party um, and dig up dirt, things like that. So it's it very much harks back to that kind of a thing, which I find interesting, but I think it speaks to the aggressive nature of it. So essentially, just for listeners who maybe aren't super familiar with it, it's um, it is a rapid response information center. It's going to be based in Calgary, and it's going to be staffed with government employees, um, communications staff, as well as Jason Kenney said, private contractors as well. And their job is essentially to, around the clock, fight back against what they say is misinformation regarding Alberta's energy industry. So that could be in social media, that could be in print media, earned media, paid media, any kind of media you can imagine. That's sort of the general gist of it. <laughs> I hope they're smoking cigars because that's what's happening in my head while they're like talking about how to take down um, this industry. <laughs> but do we know who the leader of this war room is? And I mean, we know that they're spending $30 million on it, but who's the leader? 
We actually don't know. Um, Jason Kenney had a press conference ostensibly to give an update on the war room. I think this was last week in Calgary and basically just didn't give any more new details at all. He was flanked by various supporters of the, the war room, as well as his energy minister, Sonia Savage, who she will oversee the war room. Like It'll be sort of her jurisdiction. But who will actually lead the war room? We don't know. I know they were hiring a director of communications, and I was reading through a job posting last week for that position, which is no longer taking applications, and it sort of alluded to the war room. So it could be a government staffer, could be a private contractor. We just have no idea. There's there's maybe some clues we could speculate, but at this point, that's all it would be. We should get Jesse to apply to that job, right? <laughs> Can we convince Jesse to apply for that job as, as an investigation, maybe? Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I found it interesting that one of the things Kenny said in the very little that he said about the war room is that the whole point of it is that it's going to operate more quickly than usual government communications. And um, I'm wondering, is Alberta about to get an Alberta News Now? <laughs> you know, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. I I think that comparison's been drawn. And like I said, it's very speculative at this point. Again, I'm obviously based in Alberta, so I don't know exactly how much Ontario News Now has kind of galvanized the public or if it's worked against the Ford government in any kind of way. Obviously, my Twitter is full of journalists and they all think it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I don't really know that much about it. But my understanding in the way that Jason Kenney's talked about this is that it's going to be a little bit more of a information campaign and less of a news campaign. It's really a But is it going to be information or misinformation? Again, it's so hard to say and and this is one of the key questions about like this whole thing. It's just so bizarre because it's really turning into a battle about truth. Like what's the truth? And I think I can't remember. I read an article recently. I think it was a Canadian press article and they had someone quoted in there, some environmentalist being like, you know, you can frame a lot of the things that we talk about in different ways. Like you can say in terms of carbon emissions in Alberta that they've gone down however much percent. But you can also say on the other side of the coin, emissions overall have gone up in Canada like such and such amount, right? So you can frame a lot of this stuff in different ways and it's like, when you look at the war room and what kind of things they're going to be saying, and they're going to, they're very staunchly going to be defending Alberta's energy industry and ensuring that proper information's out. Like, it's just, it just seems, weird. it seems, yeah, it just seems strange. <laughs> it just seems, it seems very weird for like a government to say, we're going to go out and we're going to make sure that there's no misinformation out there. I mean, maybe, maybe part of that's a good thing. Like, the National Geographic article that was written. And I can't remember the journalist who wrote it, but he, I believe he went and wrote about the oil sands in uh, northern Alberta. And there was a letter that was written by the energy minister for Alberta, Sonia Savage, just saying, hey, look, there's a ton of things in here that aren't exactly correct. This isn't exactly a balanced article. And it looked like the National Geographic article was updated. And they took some of those concerns into account and said, yeah, maybe we didn't get it totally right. And maybe we didn't do totally our, our due diligence here. So, you know, I guess if you're looking at it from the government's point of view, that maybe there is an argument to be made that there's some misinformation out there about the energy sector. So 
it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. A lot of people think it's just going to be a troll farm in a dingy basement and they're just going to be freaking out on Twitter. We exactly no what's idea in my yet. head. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> means I'm a good journalist, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning that Press Progress had a story out today about how the rebel media's coverage of Jason Kenney is funded with foreign money. It just seems like there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that we don't know. And I'm not sure whether to be absolutely terrified or just like enjoy the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, Press Progress article sort of drew a correlation to this foreign funded thing. I think that's an important piece of the conversation too, right? Is like Jason Kenney's foundation for having the war room is his allegation that there's a foreign funded campaign of misinformation. Those are sort of his words directed at Alberta's energy industry. So, you know, it, to kind of drop back to this press progress article, they're arguing that rebel media is actually foreign funded as well. And, you know, their coverage of Jason Kenney is funded by foreign money. Which is ironic when in the speech about the war room, he highlighted HSBC and foreign funded radicals. So, yes, I don't know who's telling the truth anymore. I know it's very, very bizarre. It's kind <laughs> of select whoever has the best argument, I guess. I don't know. Jason Kenny, he's very into a researcher named Vivian Krauss. She's been around for quite a while. She testified, I believe, in front of a committee under the Stephen Harper government about this research she's done, which has drawn a link between organizations in the United States and them funding environmental groups in Canada. And she's sort of done all this digging into financial records and drawn these lines between like the Rockefeller Fund in the States, giving millions of dollars to organizations in Canada. And she's sort of drawn this conclusion that the reason that pipelines haven't been built in Canada is because of this foreign funded environmentalist activism that we see on the streets. Obviously, this is a contentious piece of Obviously. research. <laughs> right. And there's been a lot of criticism of it. But Jason Kenney, when he was speaking in Calgary last week, was actually flanked by Vivian Krauss. And she's actually one of the stakeholders that he's been speaking with about this war room and, you know, what kind of role it needs to play. So basically, we just have to keep an eye on everyone. Basically, watch everybody. <laughs> Nobody is safe. Check your facts, people. Kieran, have you ever asked Jason Kenney if he thinks climate change is real? I haven't personally asked him, but I've had colleagues kind of push him on this. And it's interesting how he responds. I think he definitely acknowledges that climate change is a thing. Where he stands on how much action or how serious it needs to be considered, I don't know exactly. He, you know, he's very good at answering questions. <laughs> I did ask, however, the government, he's the house leader for the government, Jason Nixon, a sort of Jason Kenney's right-hand man, so to speak. I asked him in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, I said, when your government is thinking about climate change, are you in crisis mode? And he said, crisis mode? No, we're not in crisis mode. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So climate change is in a crisis? Well, he just said his government's not in crisis mode when thinking about climate change. So you can kind of glean from that what you will. But I think it's kind of interesting. It's It clearly draws their priorities for them. I mean, if you're creating a war room, you're in crisis mode, right? Like, doesn't isn't that an <laughs> obvious connection to make? Good 
point. <laughs> yes, I think that's true. I think like, but you know, it's this is the crisis of the economy in Alberta. That's yeah. what the United Conservative government in Alberta would say, right? I mean, that's really the mandate that they've been elected on is that the economy is under attack. It's under attack from all sides. That's this is I'm just sort of parroting what the UCP says right now. But they say it's it's under attack from all sides. It's under attack from British Columbia. It's under attack from Ottawa. It's under attack from Justin Trudeau. It's under attack from these foreign funded special interest groups that are fighting against Alberta's best economic interests. And they also don't shy away from using national unity as sort of a talking point to kind of drive the message home. We could talk about this for hours and hours because I have so many more questions now just based on this conversation alone. (laughs) But I do want to say very quickly that you forgot one person or one thing that is attacking Alberta as well, which is climate change. I mean, we just saw Alberta (laughs) face some ridiculously apocalyptic forest fires and those pictures are sort of burn in my mind, pun intended. Um, Mm. So let's not forget to add them on the list. Yes, very true. Very quickly, I do want to touch upon a couple more climate change related news and get your thoughts on them, Kieran. Mm -hmm. The first was that Lisa Raitt, who's a conservative MP, over the weekend, she tweeted uh, links to an article that falsely claimed that, quote, there's no solid connection between climate change and the major indicators of extreme weather, like forest fires and tornadoes and so forth. Right. The article obviously disagreed with scientific consensus and several reports. And a climate scientist actually took issue with it on Twitter, telling Lisa that the article is incorrect and dangerously misleading. That scientist asked her to have the courage and update her understanding. And Lisa Raitz surprisingly deleted her original tweet and shared uh, one of the scientist's articles and tweets and said that it was important to read this. And Lisa Raitz said she'd learned my lesson in tweeting about climate change. Interesting. So I didn't actually follow that that closely. I didn't realize I saw the original tweet, but I actually didn't realize that she had like taken it down and then said, oh, actually, it's. Climate change is real. She said climate change is real. So maybe the lesson learned is that it takes some time, but maybe they'll come around and believe in climate change. Hey, you know, we can all hope. (laughs) We can all hope. There's always good due diligent climate scientists out there, which is always um, reassuring. They're working hard. They are. The other big climate change news was that Justin Trudeau proposed a plastics ban, which I feel is a long time coming and also should have happened ages ago, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. He was in the news not just for the plastics ban, but also how he stumbled over his response to the question, what have you and your family done to reduce plastic usage in your household? We uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a plastic uh, sorry away from plastic towards uh, paper um, like drink box water bottles sort of things. There were a lot of ums and ahs through that response, and uh, people sort of really made fun of him for that, which sort of detracted from the issue. I think at least about the fact that, you know, this is a liberal government that promised to change direction on environment and really be powerful in its policies. And we have now got a plastic ban several years after it was first proposed. Yeah. What did you think of the conservative response to that? They're saying like, plastics in Canada actually don't end up in the ocean. This is a waste (laughs) of time. 
I mean, I'm not surprised. Unfortunately, I feel like it fits the conversation that the conservative governments are having, not just in Canada, but across the world. I think it's interesting that if there's one thing that I noted is that, you know, a lot of people attack the Ford government for proposing that their climate plan would be centered around this litter policy. Hmm. And now it seems like the big staple of Justin Trudeau's climate plan is this plastics ban, which, you know, different governments, different parties, but similar ideas um, makes me question what are governments really doing to tackle climate change? <laughs> <laughs> I ask that question every single day. <laughs> yeah. And are, are we as should we be harder on them as journalists? Because um, maybe we should. Maybe we should say like at every press conference about this, we should be saying, hey, but. Okay, mm. great, but what about forest fires? <laughs> That's actually a really interesting point. Um, a couple things. I think in the media now, I think climate change is finally kind of starting to get its due. I don't know if you've noticed this too, but I feel like it's finally starting to make a lot of headlines. I probably would say it's it's not quite enough. I think we're starting to see a lot of like energized movements in the world now like the extinction rebellion and the green new deal it's starting to become more of the mainstream which is really good but it's interesting because i was kind of working on a climate change story right now it's been a long time in the works i don't know if it'll ever see the light of day but i've been interviewing climate scientists and one of the things that they say is we're almost past the point of governments being able to actually address this problem. I don't know if you've run into that kind of sentiment as well, but I was kind of looking at the carbon tax and I interviewed this one climate scientist and he was like, well, governments are quibbling over $30 a levy on, you know, a ton of emissions or like whatever it is in, and they're just like arguing about it for days and days and days. He was like, you know, we're like a decade out from irreversible damage. And the time is kind of passed to be talking about this, you know, tiny carbon tax. So I don't know if you've reached, like, talked to people like that, but it's like some of the people I've spoken to is just kind of like they've almost just become exasperated with governments. Well, I think there's definitely I mean, you know, as journalists, we now talk about that there's still a lot of eco anxiety, you know, the idea mm. that we're so inundated with information about the climate crisis that it's hard to care and it's also hard to not be depressed and think that the world's going to end tomorrow all the time. But I do agree. I think a lot of the conversations I have, the responses I get, why are we still talking about it? Like, where mm -hmm. is the action? At a certain point, I mean, in the past year alone, we've had two mind-blowing reports, one of which said that we have to act in 12 years at risk of like, unbelievable warming that's going to lead to destructive weather and the other saying that we've basically put one million species at risk of extinction mm -hmm. and if those two reports don't lead to immediate action i don't know what will and yet this week we're talking about a plastics ban and a conservative <laughs> politician finally accepting that climate change is real yeah, and it seems to be in terms of how the public or the media responds to these types of things is to focus and like you said, the kind of press conference that Justin Trudeau was in and everyone's just focused on like how he responds to a question. And I don't know, I mean, you're kind of missing the bigger conversation here. I mean, you, sure, like, let's engage in a debate about banning plastics. That's fine. You can have an opinion one way or the other, but engage in the debate. It's like, you know, don't, don't spend a day tweeting out about how Justin Trudeau couldn't answer a question. I mean, that happens all the time. Politicians are always stumbling over their words. It doesn't always get as much traction as that particular instance did. But like, come on, climate change will kill us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Now we're going to do the classic duly noted section. Kieran, what would you like to duly note this week? I would like to shamelessly plug a story that two of my Alberta colleagues wrote this week. And it's a story about... A nine-year-old girl whose family says that she was driven to suicide by school bullying. And I think it's an important issue to bring up because often, as you know, the media doesn't really talk about suicide that often. And I think it's a really important conversation to start having. And it's one that should be happening more often, especially when young children are involved. And there are some really concerning details in this story about how school boards deal with suicides of students as well as the uptick in suicides amongst small children, which is sort of attached to some research that was done in the States. So I think it's a really important issue. I encourage everybody to go read the story on the star.com or just, you know, research suicide and, and ways that you can help people around you and, you know, make people more aware of the issue as well. Totally duly noted and also endorsed the story. It made me cry. And it's such an important topic that we're not talking about because it intersects how minority communities navigate Canadian public institutions, where they get help and what happens if they don't get help, the right kind mm -hmm. of help. It's the worst case scenario. And it is definitely a must read. My duly noted is totally different than yours. It is a Canadian heritage moment that I would like to just applaud uh, with this platform <laughs> that I have been given. I would like to applaud Jack Bauer, aka Kiefer Sutherland, aka Tommy Douglas's grandson, for writing perhaps the best burn in Canadian history. 
Kiefer Sutherland, I don't know if you saw this, Kieran, but he wrote a note to Doug Ford on Twitter because the Ontario Premier has been saying that Tommy Douglas, who is the Premier of Saskatchewan and the father of Medicare in Canada, would have approved of the fiscal policies that the Ford government have been putting out. Kiefer Sutherland says that he's wrong, that he would not approve, and that he should stop using Tommy Douglas's name. And ended this note with a mic drop to end all mic drops that said, After all, I knew Tommy Douglas, and you, sir, capital sir, are no Tommy Douglas. P.S. <laughs> you're lucky my mom's not active on Twitter. <laughs> that was amazing. I think that's like when Canadians learned that Kiefer Sutherland is the grandson of Tommy Douglas. I had no idea. I did not know Kiefer Sutherland. I knew he was a Canadian icon. Now he's just a Canadian legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duly noted, I agree that Kiefer Sutherland has just reached legendary status in the country of Canada. He should be on our money. Totally change of topic. Have you been following the Raptors? Okay, so I am one of the... Are you a bandwagoner? I'm one of the many million bandwagoners, but I'm a sports <laughs> fan and I like used to play basketball and yeah, I'm definitely on the bandwagon though. So I have been a Raptors fan since I first came to Canada some nine or 10 years ago. Oh, nice. I love these boys. Super invested. The last game crushed me. A one point mm. loss is still heartbreaking for me to think about. But I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the condolences. Um, But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this doctored video that's been floating around because people keep believing that it's real. If you watch Game 5 of the Raptors, you will have seen that when Kevin Durant, who was one of the Golden State Warriors players and one of the greatest basketball players of all time, got injured, the crowd cheered. And then, you know, our Raptors players had to tell them to quiet down and then they sort of got their act together and clapped him after he left. But there are a lot of videos on social media that show like people in bars and pubs also cheering when that happened. One especially has been created by Barstool. And it's a sort of a video of a crowd watching a big screen in the sports bar. And then they cheer super loudly when this injury happened, except that video is so obviously fake that I don't understand why people are believing it. First of all, it's daylight in that video. The Raptors game was started at 9 p.m. at night. That alone should raise red flags. <laughs> and yeah, everyone from journalists to sports players to... You know, most people on Twitter and social media have really believed it. The video has been shared over like 20,000 times and liked almost as much. And it's totally fake news. And I just wanted to bring that up because people should stop hmm. believing that Canadians suck. Aren't they defending it now? I saw a tweet on they are. line today. Yeah, the owner of Barstool Sports is actually defending it, which blows my mind. Mm, it seems like he's trolling. Like, really hard. I think the attention is just, you know, they're just feeling good about the attention. Yeah. And I get it, but come on, man. Like, yeah, come on. Are they really trying to shatter the Canadian stereotype that we are nice people? Because we are nice <laughs> people. And also, sports is intense. There are a lot of emotions, good and bad. Exactly. And I have to believe that, you know, if this was an NBA Finals with an American team, that they would have done the same thing because everyone wants to win. Totally. I totally agree. And I think it's funny that 
sports is held up as this thing that's like, oh, it, you know, it brings everybody together and it crosses all political lines and all the divides and everybody can just get together and enjoy this sports thing. But then as soon as like Canadians get a little out of line, it's like, oh, no, oh, no, the Canadians can't, you know, do this kind of thing because we're Canadians and we're, you know, we don't act like that. And it's like all of a sudden all that goes out the window and it's like we have to like defend our Canadian niceness, which, you know. I feel like I want to respond to every single person who's sharing that video with that um, video that Jimmy Kimmel made uh, where he interviewed people uh, in Toronto and asked them to trash talk the Golden State Warriors. And they literally could not trash talk the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) We sent a crew to Toronto with a game plan. We told Raptors fans who were walking by that we were shooting promos for the NBA Finals for ABC. And we asked them to do a favor for us. And the favor was put on a Warriors jersey and pretend you're rooting for Golden State. My favorite was were these two old women. And one of them was like, go to... And then she her voice quietened and she goes, hell? And her friend like said, oh, I can't believe you said that. And I was laugh crying. And I'm like, I just want to use that video and respond to every single person sharing the video and saying, hey, man, stop attacking Canadians. We're really nice people. Sports is just intense and brings out the best and worst in us. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. Canada Land is on Twitter at Canada Land. You can find me at Fatima B. Syed. That's S-Y-E-D. Kieran, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kieran Levitt. You can email me at kieran.levitt at tourstargroup.ca. And you can follow my coverage of Alberta politics at thestar.com slash Edmonton. And you totally should. You can go to our website at candlelandshow.com, check out the latest episode of Commons, which takes a look at the devastating impacts oil mismanagement has had on Newfoundland and Labrador. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Candleland's managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what Canada Land does, please support them on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Canada Land.